Steelers with a quick swing pass. It's Keaton Mitchell at the sideline, across midfield. It's a foot race, and Keaton Mitchell has gone. And Hooker can't take a sack. Double clutches, throws. It is caught. Did they get the timeout? Drew McCoy. Finn, all kinds of time. Gonna take a shot deep middle. What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K from Burning the Red Shirt Podcast with Andrew P. Katz. A little post-playoffs uh, final week of bowl game uh, conversation. Um, had some interesting opt-ins to the draft and some other random things, of course, as always, to talk about. Andrew, I don't really want to talk about the playoffs for obvious reasons as a Michigan fan, but, I mean, how are you feeling as a Georgia fan right now? Feeling really good all, all around, dude. Like, obviously, that game ended uh, optimally for me. Um, I, I, I was really on another level in terms of just rocking a full buffet of drinks during that game. Like, barely. I don't really remember the game so much as I remember the emotional uh, wavelengths rever- reverberating through, through myself. And I do remember – I I've – I do remember the missed kick. I remember the timeout, but my, my memory is super fuzzy uh, just because of how the night kind of played out. I went into it kind of s- similarly to how I felt about the season at large along the lines of like, hey, I'm taking this for granted. Like we won the Natty last year. And then the game starts and I'm just I, like, I'm like, I'm into it. Like I, I was, I was on edge the entire game. Really felt like we kind of, lucked out and like the, everything kind of clicked in the place as the game progressed um th- in a lot of ways not sure how super deserving we were relative to like ha- if uh for instance like ryan day just wasn't a, an awful uh coach on game day like there's we have we really have no reason to win that game but not complaining um for that relative to just the game as a georgia fan and just uh the, the college season winding down to a close, bowl season coming to a close. Overall, I'm, I'm feeling like just super relaxed and like feel like more at peace than I have in months at this point without like anything to really stress over when it comes to the upcoming week of, uh, of college football or anything of that ilk. Just I feel very, I feel very calm right now. Nice. Yeah. So you went into the game with the old, we're playing with house money, and then the exactly. game started and you're like, F the house money, like we need to win. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think of the matchup with TCU? I I mentioned this the night of because I have a obviously a bunch of Georgia fans that I'm good friends with, and I told them, and it, I told them the night of the game, right, right at like maybe twelve thirty one a.m. That like I said a month ago, basically that of the teams making the playoff, TCU would be the one I think Georgia would want to play the least. And I think it's just because Michigan plays like the same type of football, right? Like they should be able to stop that, which they would have. Um, And then I thought Ohio state, you know, obviously played a great game, but that was about as good as Ohio state's going to play. It is kind of funny that Georgia's played major games in the last couple of years without the other teams nearly best player, but things happen. That's just the way it is. But TCU to me is like super explosive. They make big plays. You know, anytime you're in a shootout, any team 
can win, especially if they have an offense, right? Like maybe they give up a hundred points, but that's a team that can score. Right. So what, what are your thoughts on the matchup with TCU? Initial early thoughts. First of all, I think when it, like generally speaking in games of this magnitude where you have, I guess you don't have any more lead up than usual, maybe just a couple of days in the way of additional prep, but the, the game starts and it always feels like no one really wants to make a, make a mistake. Everyone's kind of feeling each other out. And, and because that's the case, and I think that oftentimes you're just the, – the, you don't just see the game progress relative to how it would if you just played it out on paper or if you were to play it through 100,000 simulations, mm-hmm. right? I think that because people, everyone's, everyone's so tight and not necessarily – most well, well, most interested in not making mistakes. I think that games like this lend themselves to uh, unlikely outcomes more often than they potentially should. Um, I think, that, but I, th- I feel pretty good overall. I think that when, like, just look, you look at the box score from TCU Michigan. Ignore. I I want your thoughts in a little bit. Like how how what the fuck happened to your rush defense that you allowed Emery Demarco Demarcado one thing because that that dude's super legit, uh, but you look you, and then you look at what happened on the passing side and that is not really surprising right it's QJ and like all those other guys are just paper copies of one another and while Marvin Harrison ripped us apart I question if. We could expect, can expect something similar with QJ against Georgia, just from the perspective of, like, how how you can like normally in situations like that, like when Alabama was going up against who was it two years ago where Devontae went for like two thirty in the first half and then got hurt uh, against Ohio State, right? Think so. In situations like that, I'm like, oh, just bracket him or whatever, and like worry about everything else but like you can't do that with ohio state with luke and fleming and but with tcu i assume you could do that like why can't you do that with qj like are you really worried about tay barber darius davis and these dudes that yeah they're they're fast and like yeah they were but like just look at what they did what they've done all season and what they've more or less what they did against michigan like i don't know when you think about just from a personnel standpoint from a weapons perspective if QJ doesn't beat you and we know we're not getting beat on the ground, like uh, I, I don't know how TCU necessarily keeps it close outside of just not um, we just don't play a good game. I think TC, I think you could bracket Johnston, but I also believe that they just have the random guys make the big plays. The problem with Michigan amongst many things was that like there were two to three, maybe four big plays where they could have stopped them and just didn't get the tackle or didn't have the angle on the tackle on these different third down plays, which I think Georgia will be able to do. But I think you should be concerned of all the space they create and all the speed, right? Like speed can help make a guy that's not all that great as a receiver, like from a true perspective, um, just pull away. Um, You probably will have to bracket or do something with Johnston because Ringo was just just the you know brutal against um Harrison and Johnston is a bigger receiver. I don't I think I think people want I would think people think Harrison's better, but that's a big receiver. So yeah, I would imagine I would imagine he could give them trouble if they don't give some extra help. But 
I, the reason why I don't want to really talk about Michigan is because I'm so frustrated uh, with the fact that they go into it saying we're going to play smash fest football. That's our identity, blah, blah, blah. And then they can't hand it off to a fullback, which was dumb because they should have just, they, sh- you can't put a linebacker in that position. You can't so make, you, he has no idea. He's never done that before. He's probably practiced that four times. Right. So like, that was dumb. Uh, and then most importantly with the smash fest, you know, angle is it's third, it's fourth and goal, which I don't have any issue get, like going forward. I love that idea. And then they run like the Philly special with a tight end to throw a pass. Like that's not really your identity. Why are you getting cute? You know? Yeah. So we, We've it, seen it a couple of t- very representative times recently where, like everyone wants to go on Twitter and scream that the coach needs to go for it on fourth down, but that's only half of the equation. <laughs> Why you you have to actually have decent play call plays called in this? Like Kiffin is, I, I'm stealing this talking point from your boy uh, Tailgate Tent, I think, or from somebody that Kiffin is like super aggressive, right? He's always going for it on fourth down. We saw in the bowl game. We've seen it going far as far back as when they played Alabama last year when they. We're down like 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter because Kiffin went for it on fourth down, three straight positions, possessions, didn't get a single one because his play calling sucks in short yard situations. The it, He just tries to run it up the gut or do something dumb. And like that, you need to, to be successful in those scenarios. It's not just enough to be able to run through some analysis and conclude, hey, we maybe we should go for it here, but you actually need to make good play calls and lean into uh, – your your personal personnel advantages as well yeah and i would never call a play just to like be conservative and i I think there is value in like okay well if it's fourth and goal on the one and you don't get it they have the ball on the one right like and i'm not saying they should have called a run just simply because or a quick pass or something just simply to keep them on the one yard line worst case but you can't put them in a position where you you could give them the football on the 20 like you don't even get the benefit of the worst possible outcome by doing it that way. So we'll talk a little bit more Michigan in a little bit. Let's talk. Uh, let's, let's raise my spirits at least. What was your favorite? I mean, there were some insane bowl games between the last time we spoke to now. What was maybe your favorite bowl game of all of them? Besides obviously the Georgia game. Man. Uh, I, I feel like I need to gravitate towards ones that were played at night because those were the ones that I mostly got to tune into the most. Um, and I'll, I'll veer away from just leaning into exclusively those that padded my wallet the most as well because I don't think that's a fair answer, answer to the question. Um, Texas-Washington I thought was interesting, even if it maybe wasn't the, the most exciting. It, I, I think it, it's just... I, I've thought about recently how I would rank my fandom, and it's largely just Georgia one and college football two. I think at this point, just because I, the hate that I have for most schools just is gone. I grew up hating Tennessee, hating Florida. I don't, I don't even feel that passion about these things anymore. And Tennessee's so cool um, with uh, with Bazooka Joe. I assume we're getting there at some point uh, in the conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that. Yeah, I don't really feel much in the way of hatred for them anymore, but I fucking hate Texas. So see, seeing them get get waxed uh, by by Washington, 
and just all their flaws just being as magnified as I would like them to. That was nice. That was I enjoyed that. Yeah, that is cool. And you bring up a good point. Like, obviously, I have a lot of teams that I root for, but like, I don't, you know, I'm a Michigan fan, a Virginia Tech fan. Like, I don't hate Ohio State. Like, I really don't. It just, and I think what's done it is the college fantasy football because, yeah. like, I end up rooting for certain players. Um, and I end up watching a lot of a team. Like, how can you watch a lot of a team that you hate? Right. So I, I'm with you on like that whole Tennessee perspective that you brought up. I think tennis for me, the Tennessee game was pretty awesome. Like squirrel white was incredible. <laughs> Brew was good. Right. He had a nice game. Um, but it, like for me, it was just, you saw two things that you don't see much in college football. And that is an incredible arm. Like he's literally, we joke Bazooka Joe. I think someone said that randomly to me and I'm like, I'm never letting that go. Yeah. But like, it's incredible. His arm, like <laughs> simply incredible. And he could be the least accurate passer ever, but just seeing him throw a football 60 yards effortless is just <laughs> all inspiring. Right. And then the other is squirrel white speed, right? That guy is just incredible speed. I'm excited to see what he does in the next couple of years. Cause he's tiny. Like, does he bulk up a little bit? It seems to me he's kind of like um, he's kind of like a thinner Tyree Kill, like, and he doesn't have the same level I think of agility, but the dude is insanely fast. But if you look at that game that day, the thirtieth, which was Friday, that Pitt UCLA game was awesome. The yeah. Notre Dame game was great, you know. Like in terms of you know, I think those two, I think the Notre Dame game was awesome but it wasn't the same level of some of these other ones. But the Pitt-UCLA game was just comedic. <laughs> like, DTR goes down, and all of a sudden, UCLA does nothing. Speaking of the, the beautiful sweatshirt there. Um, Thank you. You had another OT game in Ohio-Wyoming, and it all started with maybe the grossest, worst bowl game that ended up close, which was that Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Um, Tulane-USC was awesome yesterday which was monday that was a good one yeah uh we'll talk a little bit more about tajay spears here in a little bit we saw mike leach is uh mississippi state bulldogs finish the season with a win i wish i wish will rogers would have thrown for like 500 and five touchdowns uh but did you play him in dfs i did yeah i did too i thought that i i thought he'd be low owned i thought that with illinois missing two of their stud defenders and the defensive coordinator could work out but it did not it did not. Just glad. Honestly, just happy to see them win. And then the other game, I'm trying to find it. I, I just had it, and I, I don't know why I'm missing it. It's not, I mean, Kansas, the Kansas-Arkansas game was incredible as well. Um, what do you think about LSU-Purdue? They That was not even a game at all, but they rotated quarterbacks fairly early. Was Nussmeyer rotated in early so Brian Kelly could say in the spring, dude, this is a full competition. You need to stay here for the fall. Or is that like a legitimate quarterback battle? He's got he's gonna transfer, right? I mean he's good. Yeah, yeah. Um I think that I, I haven't even read the full article on it because I was so annoyed when it happened. Did you but did you see that I think it was because Drew Brees is affiliated with points bet that uh New Jersey shut that the gambling on that game down about a week ago. Oh, I didn't realize that. So he's a, he like does something with points bet, which I I guess mm -hmm. is located in New Jersey, and he 
coached Purdue. I didn't even realize he was the interim head coach. Like, well, did they think that was going to work out? Uh, I mean, at that point, who cares, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I had, but I had locked in a bunch of bets before any of that happened. Uh, when I saw that all the Purdue guys were opting out, I beat the the I beat the the spread movement. Uh, I moved from like ten to fourteen and a half, and I was like, awesome! I did some like fun. I was just button mashing parlays and like spread and uh, bets and doing all that stuff. And I was like, nice, got that locked in. And then that that like the article gets published, all that stuff goes down. I didn't realize until yesterday they didn't just make it so you couldn't bet. They can't. They went back and canceled all those bets. Really? Yeah, I was like, these things are not correlated at all. Like, it's not like Drew Brees told me any. Like, what a a complete load load of garbage. So that was that was annoying. Um, it's not like I had like changing money on it, but it, it would have been it would have been nice to, to pocket that um, that that easy cash. But getting back to your question, I thought I saw that Daniels got rebanged up again uh, during the game. So I, I mean, in all likelihood, they were probably trying to get Nuss in there uh, for with some of the intent that you mentioned. Uh, so, but seeing an, a potential opening with uh, Daniels going into the medical tent or whatever, take advantage of it. Uh, you I mean, you watch him throw for two minutes. It's just so athletic. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, so, so natural. So who knows how it plays out. You can't. And with the way that player movement works, right. Just because they go into the spring doesn't mean that they go, that they both go into the fall. Who knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's no way they both enter uh, the Florida State game uh, next uh, Labor Day Sunday night, right? Uh, there's, there's no way they enter that uh, on the same team. I forgot that that's happening again. Yeah, that's... they're running it back. Did you see that? So that Florida State won the won the cheese at bowl, and then LSU won the cheese at citrus bowl so now it's a battle to see who's the cheesiest next year that i so i saw it and was like this doesn't make any sense like (laughs) what's going on here and now it all makes sense i get it it's a i saw it was a playoff but i was like they're not gonna make them play each other again and (laughs) now it makes sense yeah uh speaking of nussmeyer you know where he'd look good next year tell me I think you would enjoy this. I th- wouldn't he be a great spot for Georgia? Wouldn't it be a great quarterback for Georgia? Dude, I, he's awesome. I, 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 I think he'd be good in most systems. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, don't, I have no idea what our philosophy and strategy is when it comes to transfers. Like, we took the most middle of the road SEC talent wide receivers via the portal recently, with what intent, with what goal, like. Why did we have to go and snatch Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett off off the streets with such haste? Uh, like I don't I understand. Do, do we are we just are we just infatuated with the idea of having uh, these guys as our like fourth and fifth receivers? Uh, I don't know. It's just it, while other teams are going out and and landing so many of our favorite uh, megastars from the MAC and from other G five schools. Why can't we do cool shit like that? Why? Are we just do is it, are we just of the mind that if you do it in the SEC, that's all that matters? Probably, honestly, yeah. I think Love it's cool. I think he's think so? way better than Rara. Yeah, I think if you can have a great year with um, Brady Cook as your quarterback, then you're probably a pretty good receiver. I just yeah. don't know why they would want to go there. Like, I, do people care about winning that much? <laughs> like that they're going <laughs> to sacrifice their stats? Like, 
Would you go to Georgia and be, and be Lad McConkey if that means you win a championship? Like, I don't know. I kind of want to play in the NFL. <laughs> like, you know, I, 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 I want to have my, huge have I told numbers. you my theory that Aga is the one true meritocracy in all of sports? I think you've probably rubbed that off Where at some else? point on me. I, no one wants to hear about Stetson Ben anymore, but Lad McConkey is like a, a similar story. The dude is like a one star recruit or whatever, and he's out here just bypassing all our four and five star uh, talent to, to act like to like obviously still being banged up coming into this game costs him in terms of being able to do anything, but watching every game, like he's the one of the he is guaranteed targets as long as he's healthy. Oh, shit. Um, am I, uh, did I time You're still out? good. You're still good. <laughs> Your video has been uh, shaky, but you know people don't watch us; they just listen yeah, to fine. us. You're so your audience has um, been great. Yeah, he, but Lad has ascended to. It's like basically him and Bowers are the only people guaranteed anything in the passing game when he's healthy, and everyone else kind of fights for scraps. Like, and that dude's rec- recruiting story is basically negligible. And while we've got, we're bringing on all these four and five star talents. And I think it's, I think it's it's super interesting. And while it, it doesn't necessarily do much in for fantasy, um, I, I I don't know. I I take pride in it as a fan. I think it's cool. I think it's great as a fan. You know, yeah. I think anytime you see, I think comparable for me is like Michigan basketball was notorious for taking like three star guards and turning them into like like Nick Stauskas, yeah, and Karis LeVert. Like, these are guys that were committed to, like, Ohio and went to <laughs> Michigan was great. And now, like, Karis LeVert signed, like, a big deal, right? Like, I think that's – I think you should always be proud of that as a program and as a fan. Um, with the quarterback, you know, with Stetson gone, do you have a, a pulse or maybe, should I say, gun to your head? Who do you think is the quarterback next year for Georgia? No, I never – I have I don't pay too much to anything when it comes to like recruiting or whatever. And I don't know, there's the dude Stockton and then there's um, like one or two other guys. And a grip, but, right? Yeah. 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 And I always forget in my mind who's, who's who between them because they're just the, they're the four or five star that comes in and hasn't, doesn't start for like the last two or three years. So in mm-hmm. my mind, they're all interchangeable until one of them uh, wins it. I assume we end up like, that one of them that I think it's Stockton, right? I think he's the one that's projected to ascend. Um, it would be surprising to me, I guess, personally, from an uninformed perspective, if uh, we took a transfer. Not, but Nuss would be cool. I like where your head's at. Let's do it. I mean, if I'm Nuss, that makes perfect sense, right? Like, yeah, if he was, if he's great at Georgia, he's getting, he's going to put up big numbers, and he's going to be a top ten pick. So I think from a quarterback perspective, the reason why it doesn't seem super appealing maybe is because Stetson is like 25 and small, right? Like, but if he was Nussmeyer, that's the first pick of the draft, right? Second pick of the draft. Have you seen how weak next year's Georgia schedule is? This is like, it's basically Michigan levels a week. Maybe worse. (laughs) No. Who's our big Uh, non-con? Is it Oklahoma next year? It's at Georgia Tech as your best non-conference game. Stop. Who do we play at P five? You play UT Martin to open, then you play Ball State, and you play UAB. Which are really? Your first, yes. Your hardest <laughs> games. Yes, your hardest games of the season. Oh, you know that. I think it's. 
so I think we had Oklahoma scheduled, and then it got when they joined, joined canned, the SEC, right? yeah. So we use that as an excuse to not mm-hmm. schedule a real team, probably. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Yeah. But even the SEC side of things is awful. The only hard games are at Tennessee, neutral against Florida, like you know, home against Ole Miss. Like otherwise, you play Missouri at home, at yeah. Vandy, at Auburn, Kentucky, like in South Carolina at home. So you get like the, you know, maybe you could convince me South Carolina could be difficult, but not next yeah, i think the sec are... schedule with like only one team truly being variable every year is so ridiculous How tennessee you... will be a fun game if yeah. Azuka joe is is who we thought oh was. yeah it'd be amazing that would be a good game um maybe pivoting a little bit here super random but i saw this right before we st- we recorded have you seen jerry kill's contract details someone posted it and it is absolutely amazing no, I, just, I saw the extension in 2027. There, like, can you imagine? I don't know. I, I guess I sh- I'll hold my tongue when it comes to Las Cruces, but I, I speak mainly with respect to the, the f- football this facilities. The idea that you're, he's going to spend the next like five day five years uh, there on like that those high the high school practice field or whatever that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, tell me. So let me ask you. They have incentives to beating two teams so basically you win this team against this team you win ten thousand dollars right who do you think those two teams are because one of them's surprising one of them's not surprising definitely the lobos right the other hawaii nope it is utep oh well i don't know why they have a cool um now i think they have a uh like their rivalries it's some highway uh like the battle like for I four or something, something like that. Yeah, it's it. Um, that is that's interesting though. Okay. I my, my geography knowledge gets so fuzzy. Like when you get out, to really anywhere west of the Mississippi, I'm I, I'm always surprised when how close states are together and how close places are. Together. I think I think the middle part of the country for sure is yeah. very. It's surprising how close some of these places are. Okay, but. How much <laughs> I can't even ask you because it's so ridiculous. Jerry Kill will get fifty thousand dollars for winning the national championship. <laughs> he gets fifty K for making the playoff and fifty K for winning the championship. So he'll make a hundred thousand dollars extra if he takes North uh New Mexico State to the playoff and then wins in the championship. Do you have Pavia on any dynasty teams? I do not know. He's always been more of a Zach's guy, I think. Yeah, that's fair. But what a what a comedic contract! I just thought I saw it and I was like, I have to hear your reaction to to this. Otherwise, like the stuff is pretty re- like reasonable, you know. Like he, he gets twenty thousand for winning six games or qualifying for a bowl, and then it goes up like five thousand per win. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy was incredible this year. They won seven games. I didn't even you know you don't think about it, but by beating by beating Lee Green six to seven six, and last year they won two games. So hopefully he can hopefully he can win a couple bucks. Maybe it's the fact that like Las Cruces has a different like median income, and maybe cost of living is much lower or something. Like fifty k goes much further. Perhaps. Uh, I think the big news on Monday, besides obviously the unfortunate football news that 
I think we'll just pass just for obvious sympathetic reasons is CFF wise, three big running backs were entered the NFL draft or declared for the NFL draft. Tajay Spears, Keaton Mitchell, and Deuce Vaughn. It's kind of a Black Friday of sorts. It was really, and they kind of, one of them happened during, it just was very sad to see. What are your initial thoughts on the three, maybe from a CFF or NFL draft perspective? Man, I, I've already start, I've started kind of compiling a list of guys that I like at all the different positions for next year, QB, RB, and receiver. And RB, it's just, it's so weak, man. It's like, there's, I think I, I guess it probably comes with the nature of the uh, the position to some degree. Like you, if you're a good player, you're probably out as quickly as you can to go make your money in the NFL because it's not like what's your career shelf life mm-hmm. going to be like? You gotta get yours. Um, but yeah, that's the that's my main takeaway that RB's going to be tough as uh, always. Like when we get to the later rounds of those best balls, the 20th round plus or whatever, like sure guys drafted late will produce, but trying to uh, actually lock onto that preseason to figure out who are the ones the, to, to target. It's so much tougher that position relative to all, all the others. Um, not the least of which as a result of just the, the tone turnover at that position where relative to the top end talent. Um, I was never the biggest uh, Spears guy, like he caught my attention initially. Like I, I, I was thinking about it during the game yesterday. Like I think his first big game was like tw- it was right before Tulane beat Derek King in Houston, and King quit quits the team after the game. Before that, he was. Um, if they played some FCS school and I think he took like six carries for like 90 yards and two. And I was like, shit, who's this kid? And I, I, I was like, we were driving down to Margaret's parents, like a three hour drive. So I, I listened to like a whole two lane podcast. I, like it was just, a, <laughs> it, was, it was a showdown. It was a showdown slate on like a, a Thursday night or something. So I was like, I got time to kill. Let's try and do this. And I was trying to figure out if he was going to play. And the answer was pretty much, he was not, he was just like fourth string at the time, but you file it away. And then the next year, Dude, uh, blow, I think it's next year. He blows up, but and uh, has an amazing first couple of games, right? And then rips his knee to shreds. And then the last couple of years has just been nothing but incredible, credible from an efficiency, from a production perspective. So, I mean, good for him. Uh, I was never as big a fan though as like some some dudes like our boy Heath uh, Boyd has like mm-hmm. always been the biggest fan of him. And then I know a lot of other people love him as well. Um, but pretty, I mean, how can you hate? Good. It's cool. Yeah, pretty good memory there. They played, it was 2019, they played Missouri State. He had eight carries for 89 yards and a touchdown and an 88-yard catch for a touchdown. Um, so very, And then he didn't play for six weeks. But <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Impressive memory. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think running back is going to be interesting because they don't really replace. Like, I'm not excited about get-ins or whoever follows. Mm-hmm. Um deuce right i think he's like a once in a lifetime type running back right like how long did it take for us to see another darren sproles at karen's uh kansas state right tajay spears they have a couple random dudes but none of them anywhere near it keaton mitchell leaving not surprising but they have somebody behind him in marlon gunn and i think people like that camaro edwards transfer from unc 
where I think that that could be still a fun place to play like for CFF purposes. But do you think any of them, I mean, I guess really you think Deuce has the best shot at getting, you know, drafted the highest. I know you're not a draft guy, but out of curiosity, what you, what do you think? Tough. I, I have no, like, what are the, what will people do to nitpick Spears? Cause probably, seems, probably size. Like, is it, I don't, he doesn't seem like he's that small of a dude. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't weigh that much. It's 5'10, 195. Yeah. People are going to nitpick him not being over 205 or whatever, right? Mm hmm. All, all three of those positions on those teams, though, they have like, there's names that we know that have produced in some capacity, but probably none of them project to do anything similar to, to these dudes, right? Like you mentioned, Giddens, Gunn, and then Clayton or whatever, I think, on Tulane. Like, you mm-hmm. could make an argument to probably draft any of them, but like, what can you really expect from them relative to the, the talent that's on the way out? Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think Keaton Mitchell leaving is the most interesting for CFF because also Holton Allers or Ehlers, I'm guessing, is leaving. I don't <laughs> think you can go eight years at East Carolina, but maybe. So Gunn is, could be super appealing. I thought he looked really well, and they've always uh, really good, and they've always kind of hyped him up. Plus, now it's like, okay, what kind of what kind of quarterback production are they going to get? Is, is this quarterback going to steal from him or not? Um, I don't know. We'll see. It'll, it'll be an interesting. It'll be an interesting spot in best balls. Like I have a feeling one of those backups is going to get overdrafted for like the first month or two, you know, in like February, March, and then like in April and May we might see a kind of reverse. But yeah. Speaking of um, movement, Grayson McColl is back at at uh, Coastal Carolina. The rumor of it being academic issues, uh, he apparently he couldn't get into Auburn, which is, I mean, if you're Auburn, you got to find a way, right? Yeah, it, I would love to know a little more about the minutia of the transfer portal from the perspective of okay, so he wanted to go. Let's just assume he wanted to go to Auburn. Why not just and that like sec standards he can't get in or whatever why not consider some other schools stay in the portal why withdraw can he go back into the portal after like whatever a winter semester right wanted did you ever take that you were an athlete right so you took some of those fake those fake courses i assume no uh no they didn't really care about baseball like that they didn't (laughs) we didn't do anything like that um so we didn't do any winter masters Okay. Um, yeah, but you assume he could do something like that. Uh, although maybe all the professors are out to get him now that they know he's trying to get out. So maybe he's not getting the, the treatment. Um, but you, you would think he could re-enter the portal at some point. And so I could always why, do it. Yeah, maybe after the spring. Yeah. No reason for the story to to have reached its end. I think the problem is he probably didn't have the most legitimate of majors. The coastal is not like a you know, I liken it to Georgia Southern where it's like the fallback school. I think we've talked about this in the past. Like that's the fallback, right? Like you apply to Georgia tech and then if you don't get any, you go to, you just go to Southern, whatever. Um, which I think they actually have a good engineering program, but whatever. Um, do you think there were issues with the fact that he peed teal? Was there <laughs> from a health perspective programs didn't want to want to take that? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. I hope so. Oh, we may have lost Andrew here. At least we got him on a good screenshot here on YouTube. 
Uh, one other point I was going to make about McCall was maybe while we're waiting on Andrew to, to kick it back, but I'm back. is when you hit a certain level of years in college, you have to have a certain level of credits to maintain eligibility. So maybe that was it where he lost just enough credits to then not qualify as, cause he's a fourth year guy, right? So he had to have qualified as a fourth year student. So maybe that was it, but I think Auburn, Auburn should have pushed pretty hard on that. Are you surprised by the lack? Like we have a new coach and Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Are you surprised by the fact that like there's been like, who have they even brought in as a transfer? Anybody? Yeah, I, maybe they were waiting on the call. Who knows? It, I I have such a tough time understanding what McCall's actual personality and beliefs are. Like, is he a like Hugh Freeze, crazy Christian type person, or is he like a, a lunatic party animal? Like, you can make a, a strong argument for either case, and I don't know which one it is. I'd like I'd like for him to kind of clarify potentially. A, not so much through his words, but through his actions, um, which, which it is. <laughs> um, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Following Hugh Freeze to, or not following, but transferring to Auburn with Hugh Freeze definitely, I think, kind of lets us know where he stands. But maybe uh, if he goes to Miami, that tells us a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I think. For him, he probably had a couple places in mind. And yeah. once he couldn't get there, it's like, why would I go to another G5 when I can just stay at? So maybe that is kind of saying, like, I'm a party animal because Coastal is a big party school right on the beach. Right. So maybe right, it's right. like, if I'm going to, why would I go to Provo and like just kind of be in the middle of nowhere, Utah? And when I can just be in Myrtle Beach, which is much better. Let's go. We kind of touched on running backs. Uh, I think this is kind of like a two-part conversation. I think I think it'd be interesting to talk about Jim Harbaugh and where he what he does. Right, there's the rumor that he's going to take whatever NFL job is available or gets offered to him. And I also think there's a level of potential risk for Cor- Blake Corum. Does he enter the draft because of this? Does he stay? Does he get put in a really tough position where he stays and wants to go if Harbaugh's not there and he just doesn't have that intel? So I guess to start, Jim Harbaugh, do you you believe it's like actually a thing? And do you think he leaves the Michigan? It seems like you're right. Um, I'm not the the most informed when it comes to this. And my speculation is going to be so much less educated than someone who uh, bleeds blue like you do. Uh, but I don't know. It's, I mean, it seems like you're right. Uh, he's probably going to be largely successful at whatever he wants to do from a coaching perspective. So if he uh, wants a different challenge, then you think that this, that this is why it's probably interesting to him and it's the path he wants to take. I think it's, for me, I started off as, yeah, I don't believe this because he made the comments after the Big Ten Championship that he was going to stay for 2023. But at this point, it's still being a thing in like multiple random people um, that I think are in the know, like Scott Bell and a couple other guys. Like when, st- when they kind of say like, yeah, this is this is like an actual conversation being had, I think it's going to happen, unfortunately. 
Um, and I, one of the guys that I follow, I want to say his name was John Bacon. Um, yeah. I think he's written Michigan books and that's where I, why I started following him just for stuff like that. But he, uh, he had mentioned that it was not about a lot of different things, but it was really just, he's not happy with the way college football is trending, which as an older guy in the field, I am not shocked at all that he doesn't like the fact that it's not like when he was at Stanford. And I bet it's probably like, you know, if I'm going to deal with all this money and stuff like that, then like, why don't I just do it in the NFL where I don't have to recruit? You know what I'm saying? You think yeah. there's some dots to connect there? That makes sense. All the different, all the variables that at least we know, like what, what you just mentioned with his attitude, the, who knows how true it is. The idea that like he, he'll just take whatever job comes his way. Like it, all that leads you to believe that there's probably nothing Michigan can do to incentivize him to stay if he gets an offer, right? More money probably won't do it. More power uh, won't do it. More control won't do it, um, right? Like it sucks as a Michigan fan and as some, like as someone with the like that is like within the Michigan program to just feel powerless to that extent, or how I assume they, they kind of feel. Um, Yeah, that's that's all I got. I think what I think you're dead on. It, the powerlessness is just got to be rough for those like within the program. As fans, I think it's just it's frustrating because it's like, well, is he just going to do this every year? You know, and like it impacts recruiting because who wants to deal? You know, you're signing up to play with a coach, right? Um, so I think it. So it's just as tough. It's like, okay, what are we, what are we actually doing here? We're we just going to do this every single January, but. I think the fact that the NFL is the NFL will always have a trump card on college football. Like what's the worst team in the NFL? Like the Texans, you know, the bears, those are the the two worst records, like the Raiders. Like these are all teams that like, if they were to offer what's so bad about those places, you know, like why wouldn't you like, what's the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like every NFL job is going to be better than a college job. Generally. The thing about, so the, now that we're talking through, the one thing that gives me pause with respect to the idea that he's just going to jump to any NFL job is like this dude is a total control freak in a good way, right? Um, we saw it when he had his rift with the 49ers, uh, right? It was because he didn't have enough control in the organization, uh, right? And you have to think that that's a quality, generally speaking, that most college coaches have. That, like, think about that they get to define what their roster looks like, what uh, they want to do in terms of uh, on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, what happens on game day, how the program's overall run. And we view it, or at least I do largely, at, I'm a control freak too, but I don't know. I, Probably not in a good way, though. Yeah, well – also, it's not appealing to me, the idea that, like, I would be responsible for that level of detail and for that amount of stuff. Like, that's that's too much. Like, I I can never be that into uh, that stuff 24-7, 365. I don't think. It's just it's way too much. Um, but at the NFL level, even if you have some level of uh, roster control, it just it just feels like so much more so much more is outside of your control when it comes to to the organization and then on on game day as well when it just 
not even from like necessarily not from like a play calling perspective, but you're you're so much like you're so much more at the mercy of just the, the ebbs and flows of how teams are teams in league and division and conference progress. And like it's not like with college where once you get that train rolling and you get the recruiting going, you get the program building going, like you you establish a floor uh, if you're a good coach and you can kind of like you can ensure a baseline of success. Um, whereas it feels like at the NFL level, so there's so many more variables outside of your control. Uh, and like, if we're talking about a, a passionately, a passionate control freak, like how, how does that sit with you? Right. I don't know. Like it, it, it feels like those things are at odds to some degree. Yeah. I you mean, you make a great point. I mean, that's why he left, but he probably, maybe he just thinks that like, you know, you could find a spot that can do better or he just signs on that'll, but then that kind of defeats the, or, or uh, you know, beats the point of like, well, he's, he's going to take whatever. So yeah, exactly. I'm curious. I hope he stays, but at this point, who the hell knows, but we'll see. But finally, do you, I mean, Blake Corum, do you think there's any impact on Harbaugh staying or leaving, or do you think he's pretty much decided regardless? I think if Harbaugh stayed, he he would stay. Um, I think that they'd find a way to nil him within. Uh, like he, I haven't. I have no idea what his pro pro prospects are like, but presumably it wasn't helped by him ripping his knee to shreds, right? In addition to just not being the most jump off the tape athletic type of uh, guy ever. Like he's not. He's not Bijan. He's awesome. Like within the contract construct of Michigan's offense, and he's yeah, he's a great player, but. What, the, what it takes to be a transcendent uh, NFL running back, get the draft capital that's – like if you're just weighing what he can get paid in co- to stay in college, especially coming off of an injury, you could probably incentivize him without uh, too much effort and hard work, right, to come back uh, for another year. Harbaugh stays, get that NIL money, run it back. Be nice. I think he needed the combine because, like you said, he doesn't jump off the tape right with speed. Yeah. It also doesn't help that three studs around the same size, but like you know, they're obviously. I think he's probably like five nine, two twenty, so he's much like a thicker, bigger built guy. But like he doesn't possess anywhere near the speed of the, the three other guys that just uh, entered the the draft. So yeah. we'll see what happens uh, there as well. I kind of commanded the topics of the show. Did we miss anything that you wanted to talk about before we depart? What do you think about Brent Sanity in Statesboro? Um, what an amazing landing spot. I'll, I'll just, I'll just do, I'll do the talking for us on this one. If Kyle Van Trees can light the world on fire from a passing perspective. That's a great point. Yeah. I I exclusively judge him based off of what he was doing this year before he got hurt, which was go, like he was going to be a top five passing yardage guy in all of uh, the FBS this year. So I, I think he, that you need to break his sample size into two, and the, like they need to they probably think they need to bring in some more uh, help. I think in the in the receiver room and with their backs like by the time they got to bowl season and we all uh or well some of us started jeremy singleton right but they were down there one two and three receivers and then i think they were down there one two and three running backs too so um they get burgess back amari jones just declared for the draft 
Um, Singleton's out of eligibility, I think. Um, but so you'd like to see them get him some more guys to throw to. Uh, but Van Tr- you can't. I guess you can't really even judge what Van Trees did against Buffalo. Like that, Buffalo is one of the worst teams I've ever seen. I think uh, this year that made a bowl. And they still ripped my heart out back to back weeks to close the year when I had I needed Akron to beat them to get the, the to the win total of two of uh, three three wins and then I had it I had some uh, Georgia Southern uh, uh, bets in against them as well but so but that being said you, I don't think you can judge uh, what Ventries did against them at with any real value but. Being down his top five or six weapons, he still threw for 400 yards on Georgia Southern in, or on Buffalo in that in that offense. So that offense with Brent, with Brent Sanity's gifts, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I think a couple of really good points there. Brent Sanity, I mean, he was start he started off insanely good, right? And uh, yeah. he probably most likely drops a little bit, but not the way he did after that injury. That was so drastic of a change that it was like this has to be. And it was shoulder, right? Like, it would yeah. make so much sense for him not to be able to recover from that. Uh, and you're right. Like, Georgia Southern had, like, basically nobody. Yeah, I mean, the whole year they made these random guys become very good. They built out some talent there at receiver. And, and Van Trees had an awesome year. There's no reason for Davis Burton not to be able to do it. One thing I love about it is the fact that we're going from the ginger general, Kyle Van Trees, a great nickname. Is that real? Sanity. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, I have a couple friends that are Georgia Southern fans and they were calling him the ginger general. And I was like, I don't know where this came from or how I just now heard this last week or two weeks ago, but this is a mate. This is a, a top five nickname in college Dude, football. That's great. So, but yeah, I, that is a, a good, from a CFF perspective, that's the type of transfer that we love talking about and like is actually impactful but like nobody else in football world cares. Definitely. It doesn't move the needle, but awesome. Well, I'm glad that we could get uh get something out here around the holidays, continuing it on for you guys. Uh, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and all that jazz and leave reviews and stuff about Andrew's great uh, sweatshirt. If you're watching that you see, uh, otherwise we will talk to you guys soon. Uh, how's after, it going? After the, after the second natty. After, oh God, if it's the second Natty, I, I need to move out of the state of Georgia. Let's just put it that way. But enjoy, guys. Hope you enjoy that game.